Sounds like a plan. All right. I think that's my opening text for about every message that I preach. All right. <laughs> Funny thing is, I don't have an opening text today. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into the introduction. I don't have any jokes. I have nothing else to tell you. Just, just the message tonight. So I'm, I'm sorry. You'll get a joke Wednesday. Wait, no, you won't get a joke Wednesday because Pastor Legault is going to be out of town. I don't know what we're going to do. All right. Well, you can just hold your Bible for a minute, and then we'll turn to a place in a moment. So, Vance Havner once said, The tragedy of today is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. You say, who's Vance Havner? You need to look him up. You need to look him up. He is a good preacher. Really good preacher. He's been dead for many years, but, man, he's got some good stuff that he preached and good little sayings that you can get. And what a, what a saying that is. The tragedy of today is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. This makes me uh, think about the lack of dedication in today's world. Uh, the saints, they're not desperate to have anything dedicated to the Lord. Not a thing. The world's uh, life of ease mentality has bled over into the church. And it truly has. Uh, no one has a drive to be dedicated because stick is a thing of the past. You can easily see that with sports as well. When you think about sports and dedication... I coached wrestling for nine years, and the ones that advanced to postseason, the ones that made it to those end-of-season tournaments, uh, sectionals, the state qualifier, state tournament, going on from there to whatever else, those were the ones that had dedication. I think of this one guy, this one kid that was on my team, he's in college now, this one kid, his name was Josh, and he, his first, his freshman year wrestling, he was a horrible wrestler. He's what we call in the wrestling community a fish. So if you've been around wrestlers at all or at anywhere, he was a fish. He was just, he was a guy you just throw in there and he's just going to get eaten alive by the sharks. So we actually, oh, never mind. But anyways, he just, a horrible first year season. Uh, he, had, he had one win, one win and a bunch of losses. And his, his losses just kept on racking up. He had a lot of losses his first three years of school, but he had dedication, and he just kept on going after it. And he would do stuff that was not during the season. He would work hard outside of the season on his off time because he was determined and he was dedicated for what he had his mindset to. He said, I want to be a good wrestler. And I'm telling you, I've seen plenty of people that they came in the wrestling room, and I'm looking at him thinking, he's not going to last, he's not going to last, he's not going to last, she's definitely not going to last, and, and just on and on. But Josh, he worked hard, and he worked hard, and he worked hard. He had a lot of dedication. His senior year, he lost one match. Instead of only winning one match, he only lost one match his senior year. He went on to wrestle. He had multiple schools asking him to wrestle for them in college. And then now he's in the middle of his, I think, his junior year at college, and he has the opportunity to become an All-American wrestler in college. How does that happen? That happens with dedication. That happens with something that it's a word that is vanishing. Dedication. And you know, the same follows suit with words. Having the right kind of words, dedicated words to the Lord. And that's what I'm going to preach on this evening, 
is dedicated words. How are your words? It's the title of my message tonight, How Are Your Words? We're going to look at two ways that your words shouldn't be, and then we'll hit home the way that they should be. Let's pray and we'll get into the message. Father, I thank you for church. I thank you for this place. I thank you for the stand, Father, and just having done all the stand, this place has done that for many years. I pray that with, uh, with your help, Father, it will continue to do so until you come, Father. And I pray that you would again be with the service tonight. Pray you be with our uh, pastor, Pastor Kinney, as he is away preaching out. Pray you get him back home safe uh, tomorrow. And, but, Father, above all, I pray that tonight that you might have the preeminence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first one is going to be empty words. Take your Bible and turn over to Luke chapter 9. It's a little more detailed uh, than Matthew 8. It's about the same, about, you get the just the same thing in Matthew 8 and Luke 9. We'll go to Luke 9, though. <clears throat> empty words. Those are words you shouldn't have. Empty words. Uh, the way I got for that, for this point, it was some years back, and somebody was saying some words to me that weren't just the nicest words. It was, it was like a snarky comment back at me, and it just wasn't a nice thing, and I'm very sensitive, and uh, started bawling. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I guess I am sensitive. Anyways, it's, this person, I almost said she, uh, this person, and it's not my wife, <laughs> said these things, just like a snarky little attitude thing at me, and I didn't say anything back, but somebody else that, was, that heard the same thing said, don't worry about that, James, those are just empty words. They're just empty words. What are empty words? They're words with no meaning, no sincerity, no substance at all. And we find those words in Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 57. <coughs> Make sure I cover the mic before I do my cough. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home, uh, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Empty words. This portion of scripture is full of empty words. Say, where are the empty words? Those folks that uh, Jesus was talking with here, they had no substance to them at all, no sincerity. They had no meaning to them. Master, uh, master, well, master's in the other uh, account in Matthew, but he says here, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And you think, man, what a great guy. I mean, he's saying, he's telling the Lord that he's going to follow him, follow him. And I'm sitting here thinking, what have you told God that has no meaning behind it? These, these people told him something pretty heavy. They were dedicating themselves, supposedly, to God, but they didn't really mean what they were saying. This fellow didn't. 
You know, it's easy to talk the talk, but when, you, when push comes to shove, what are you going to do? When push comes to shove, what are you going to do? You can say, I can stand up here and say all sorts of items, but am I really going to come through with it? Am I going to stick to my word? That's something that nobody does anymore. They don't stick to their word. They don't commit themselves and become dedicated. But this first man, he makes a statement, but he didn't really mean it. He found out what it would cost and bailed on the situation. See, the Lord, he knew his heart. He looked and said, hey, I, I know your heart. I'm just going to lay some things out here and see if you continue with me. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Hey, if you follow me, it's going to cost you comfort, maybe. It's going to cost some comfort. <clears throat> Did the fellow follow him? I don't think so. doesn't say, all right, Lord, that's fine. What you're doing, I'll do. It doesn't go on to say that at all. Just empty words, making a statement and just not even meaning it. And then when you get, when you get confronted by God, gone, you're done. You just shut it off and you just go back over to whatever you were doing before, before you ran into the Lord in the way. Verses 59 and, and verse 61, here's some excuses, excuses. Verse 59, and he said unto another, follow me. Man, to have God come up to you and say, follow me. What, a, what an honor to have, if Jesus Christ were to come up to you and say, hey, follow me. Brother Sean, follow me. You know, Brother Steve, follow me. Brother Fred, follow me. Man, if, you, if Jesus came and approached you and said that, would you have an excuse? Now, we like to say, no, absolutely not. But, you know, it, these people are already following him. If you look over, we're not going to go to Matthew, but if you go over to Matthew, the same fellow right here is called a disciple. He's a disciple, a follower of Jesus at the time, until here. Until here. But he says, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. He said, hey, I'll do it, but I have something else that's more important than you. It's my family. Something serious just happened in my family. I've got a family first, right? Family first. Sorry, Jesus, I'll be back to church next Sunday. Family first this time. Hey, follow me, whoever you are. Follow me, whoever you are. I will next week. I have whatever the family decided to do. We have this big uh, home-going party for, uh, for father who passed away, or whatever it might be. See, that sounds harsh. Jesus laid it out to him. He said, let the dead bury their dead. He's saying, hey, that family affair, that big item that you had going on right there, is it really more important than me? It might be to you, but it's not to God. You know, the Lord, he has something for us to do, which is far more important than what we think our earthly uh, necessary needs are. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And hit another family thing. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He's saying, Hey, bud, you're looking at your family back here. You want to go say bye to them? If you're a follower of me, if you are a follower of me already, maybe one of my disciples, one of the many that are following me, they should already know where you line up. They should have some understanding, like, Hey, this is normal for him. He's a disciple. He's going to continue following. He's just having a little reassurance conversation going on right now. But this guy, just, he just wasn't solid. He had excuses. Empty words, empty words. What a sad thing, the empty words that we have. 
And our excuses, they, got, they went out the window when we got this book right here. We have all the understanding that we need inside these pages, and our excuses are gone after this book comes into our lives. You know, and I, uh, <laughs> I ran across this verse in my Bible reading yesterday. In uh, Malachi 2.17, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Wow. <laughs> Do you, you've, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Now, yes, I, I'm not giving the whole context of this, but still, if you heard that phrase, that is the absolute phrase that's in the Bible. And if you heard that phrase, I mean, have, have you heard that phrase? Ye have wearied, spiritually, ye have weary, wearied the Lord with your words. Just these empty words. You keep on saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give the missions. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to go to the visitation. I'm going to go to street preaching. I'm going to, whatever it is. Are you wearying the Lord with just these empty promises that you keep on giving? Empty commitments, no dedication? You, you get so used to talking, you and I too. We get so used to talking that you don't even think about what you're saying. So used to talking. Think about that. You're just so used to it. And you're, I mean, that's how we communicate. So I'm doing right now. I'm talking. And we get so used to talking that we don't even think about what we're saying. It's just autopilot. And then a little speed bump when the Lord says, follow me. And we just kind of just kind of pass that on and come up with our excuse that we have. Empty words. Just those words with no meaning, no sincerity, no substance at all. And is that your case? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You should have some dedication, which we'll get to in a little bit. Secondly, go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, and then we'll hit Genesis chapter 39. Uh, Matthew chapter 27 verse 24 when when Pilate saw that he could not that he could prevail nothing but that rather a turmoil was made he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying I am innocent of the blood of this just person see ye to it then answered all the people and said his blood be upon us and on our children damning words Damning words. That's number two. Damning words. These are, these are some pretty heavy words that are in verse number 25. His blood be upon us and upon our children. Well, I think we saw that in the beginning of October still with, with the Jews. His, his, they didn't understand the magnitude of their words here. Affecting their nation in October of 2023. They got getting all these attacks all the time. And the Hamas and all that stuff going on, the Lord's saying, hey, you wanted it. You wanted it. His blood be upon us. They didn't understand the magnitude of the words, and they had those damning words. These are some of the most terrible words ever spoken. Whew. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're very heavy words. You see, because with damning words, there's lasting repercussions for what you say. For what you say. Six million Jews killed in the Holocaust, or whatever number it is. His blood be upon us and upon our children. Lasting repercussions. 
bad things that you say can last for a long time. Uh, remembered for years, and they can hurt for years. Decades. Matthew 15, 11 says, That which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. That's what's coming out, those words. Look at Genesis chapter 39. The word damn, it means to condemn and to punish. Yes, it's used as a curse word all the time. Shouldn't be, especially from <laughs> saved folks. Uh, but it is used as a curse word all the time. But that word literally means to condemn and to punish. And man, your words can condemn and they can punish. They can punish who? They can, they can hurt more than, more than a, stick, a stick and a stone could ever hurt. You know, those physical wounds, they'll heal, but man, those, uh, those deep wounds, like the words of a tail bearer, this, they last for a little while. All right, Genesis chapter 39, and we're talking about Joseph with Potiphar's wife. We're going to just pick up the story here in verse number 14 with Potiphar's wife. Well, actually, verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, and she, she just won't leave him alone. She won't leave him alone. Uh, that he hearkened not unto her, he's doing right, so he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was uh, fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. <clears throat> and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto me came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant, uh, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. I read all that to say this. Your words, those lying words you have, look at what Potiphar's wife did here. She spit, verse 14, spake, uh, she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, and she tells a lie. And how many times your lies, they can be damning words for somebody. Because she, you get down through verse 17, and she spake unto him according to these words. Verse 19, and it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, just words, having a huge effect, a huge effect, imprisoning somebody, put him into prison, verse 20 says. And you know what your words can do? Your words can lock somebody up, not in a physical prison, but man, in their mind, in their heart, you can lock them away with those, with those thinking lying words, words that are damning words. Condemning and punishing somebody with your words. you got to be careful with words. They're heavy. 
They're weighty. They, they, can, they carry some weight with them. you got to be careful of it. Look at what happened here. Just because she didn't get what she wanted. How many times do we just not get what we want, and then those words come out? We get upset about how a situation turns out, just like she got upset because she didn't get what she wanted, the situation didn't happen like she wanted it, and then she ran her mouth. And we might do it not knowing that we're going to lock somebody up, that we're going to harm somebody else. But you say something, somebody else hears it, and it just keeps on going down the line. And before you know it, everybody thinks something about this one person that might not even be true, but your words are locking that person up in everybody else's mind. They're, they're hearing that thing, thinking, wow, how could he? How could she? That is incredible. i got to pray about this and tell somebody else about it. I need to have a prayer meeting with a bunch of people and tell them all what I just heard. And you're just locking somebody up with damning words. you got to be careful of your words. Those damning words. Man, you're, you're condemning someone and you're punishing somebody that doesn't need it. Be careful of what you say. Like I said, there's lasting repercussions for what you say. And the sad thing about it is, you might not even know what you've done to somebody with your words. You might not even realize how, how much those words hurt that person. And then you're going to continue a life with no, uh, with no regrets of what you said because you don't know what it did to the person. They know, though. And that situation might not ever get resolved because maybe they're just embarrassed to talk about it. And because of the, the naughtiness of the heart of the person saying those damning words, they just don't even, they're oblivious to it and they go on with their day, continuing just spewing out words, just talking because they're used to talking and not thinking about what's being said. And then, man, that person just is heavy, it's heavy on their heart, maybe the rest of their life, I don't know. But I'm saying all that to say this be careful. Check your words. See if you have damning words coming out of your mouth. Now, let's get to the, to the better part of this message. Uh, point number three, look over at Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It says, let the words of my mouth. This is dedicated words. Words that matter. Excuse me. Words that are used wisely. Words that make an impact on others the right way. Words that glorify the Savior. Words that are, they're dedicated words, but not just dedicated to mischief. They're not just dedicated to just the, wrong, the wrong ways. They're dedicated to the Lord. Words that, like I said, glorify the Savior. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word, yes, the deed is there too, but man, word comes up first because that's what happens a lot of times and we'll talk before we'll act. So let's hit the word first before we hit the deed. Now we have to do it, we should be doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Having in our mind, yes, I'm saved, 
I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. What I'm saying, I need to think about what I'm saying and having it, having it dedicated to the Lord and keeping in mind that, yes, I'm going to give account for every idle word, okay? And I want my words to mean something to help somebody rather than to hurt somebody. As a Christian, that's how your life ought to be, uh, your life view ought to be with your words. Words that will be a help to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. You know, when I was down in Bible school down at PBI, uh, I think it was my second year in school. For, I don't remember what year it was. It was one of the three. It might have been my second year, first or second. But anyways, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> I found a note in the middle of my Bible, and it was on a little piece of paper I got at the house right now, but I did have it. It was just a, it was just a folded, it was just a piece of paper, just like this. It was just folded in half in my Bible. And one day I just opened my Bible and it was just in there. And I opened it up and just said, keep your head up, bro. And with a, with a reference on it. I have no idea who put that in my Bible. I have no idea to this day, uh, 12, 13 years later. I don't know who put that in there, but it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me. Not just then, but I kept it in there just for all over all the years. I've been transferring over to my, my new Bible and stuff, so... That will be in here. Just I'm just just a random, just throw it in there and have it. But man, that meant a lot to me then, and it means a lot to me now. Still, those words. Though, you see how much those words impacted that I haven't even looked at that piece of paper in quite some time. But as soon as I thought about uplifting words and being a help with words, that came right to my mind, because I correlated those, those just those pleasant words that were on a piece of paper. Somebody just wanted to be a blessing to me. To word, those are words that were those words were dedicated to the Lord to help me. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, "Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones." Pleasant words, that's what we ought to have. You ought to mark out what the different attributes, the different types of words that the Bible says are good good types of words to have, and maybe just make a list of them. And those, that's how your speech should be framed. It should be framed around that and built off of that. But that should be the core. Dedicated words, yes, pleasant words. Pleasant words. Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It's, it's something, when I think about that, I think about just a pleasant, beautiful, comforting, something just, it's just right. It's perfect. Something that's just great. You look at that picture and you think, that is, man, what a just a pleasant thing. And that's, a, that's that word fitly spoken. And you can provide that word, that word fitly spoken. You can provide those pleasant words to somebody. You can help somebody. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 12 says, The words of a wise man, uh, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. But the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. If you're wise, you'll have gracious words. That's, that's plain and simple. That's what the Bible says. If you're wise, you'll have gracious words. If you don't have any gracious words, you're not wise. If I don't have gracious words, I am not wise. I am being a fool. And it says right at the end of that verse, but the lips of the fool will swallow up himself. <clears throat> and I will just become self, self, just 
I'll be just bringing myself down and just self-involved and just focusing on me. Being, the, being with the lips of the fool instead of having that graciousness. Like I said, if you're wise, you'll have gracious words. And you say, yeah, what about, what about rebuke? What about reproving? Why are you so hung up on that? Why do people get so hung up on those two items? Yes, that is the balance. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. But you know what you've done? You've removed ex- exhortation from that list in your mind. That word's gone. And all you can think of is rebuke and reprove. You've got to have the balance. You've got to have a balance. The Lord will give you the balance. Colossians uh, chapter 4. Let's go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, speaking of, <clears throat> speaking of the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Look at verse number 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Your speech is supposed to always have grace. Always. Not just here and there. Always. The Bible says that. This is a Pauline epistle. This is for the church, the local church, right here. On page 288, that is for you and me, right there. That let your speech be always with grace. And when it's not, you are out of balance. And you're starting to have the lips of a fool swallowing up yourself. <clears throat> let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You see, we see that verse and we think, man, we need to pour on, we're, we need to be seasoning that thing with salt. We need to just dumping that salt on. And we're just shaking that salt on there so much. And we're just pouring the salt on every chance you can get. And it's stinging. And you know what? After a certain point, that salt becomes very bitter. I like pretzels. I love pretzels, actually. Uh, uh, big, small. Round the rods, I don't care what that, I like pretzels. I just like food anyways, but pretzels are good. I like salty pretzels. I like the salt on the pretzels. I don't like saltless pretzels. What's the point? It's just like dirt. I put some salt on the pretzels, for crying out loud. But anyways, who came up with that idea anyways? But <clears throat> Season with salt. I like the pretzels, but who, who, <laughs> who here has ever thought, man, these pretzels were great? And there's all that residue at the bottom. Let's just pour it in and see how that tastes. Well, I, I'm not going to say that I have, but I have. And let me tell you what, I love I loved that salt when it was in the right uh, proportion on my pretzels. I loved it. It was so good, and I didn't want a pretzel without it. But I got to the bottom of that bag, and, man, I poured that thing, and I was like, <laughs> I'm spitting that out, and it was so gross. It was horrible. Why? Why was it so horrible? Because there was too much salt. That's why it was so horrible, because there was too much salt. Seasoned with salt. When you season something, you're just putting just the, amount, just the right amount on there. You still have the great flavor with it and stuff. It's going to add a little bit of something that, need, that it needs. But we're not taking the top off the salt shaker and dumping it on. We're not dumping the bottom of the bag of pretzels all over the situation. Like I said, at a certain point, all that salt, it just becomes bitter. Very bitter. Very, very bitter. Nobody will want that. 
your speech, nobody will want it at all. It'll be just the most disgusting thing that anybody's ever heard if you get this verse out of balance. It says, let your speech be always with grace. The emphasis on the grace. And, oh, by the way, season with salt. You still got to have a little bit of that stuff that might sting in there, but just seasoning. It says at the end of that verse that you may know how you ought to answer every man. If you don't have that balance in this verse, you will not know how to answer anyone. Plain and simple. Look at the, look at the verse again. That ye may, it says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So if you do not follow that guideline, you are not going to, sure, you might, be able, you might answer somebody, but you're not going to know how. You're not going to know how. It says that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Bunch of grace, seasoned with salt. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read a, uh, <clears throat> read a poem and kind of close this thing down. This is called Tongue Control. Some words are said that never should be spoken. Some friendships break that never should be broken. Some hearts will ache that should know only gladness because the tongue has brought a load of sadness. When Jesus came and said, love one another, he taught that every man forgive his brother. And those who do the will of God above must show it by their words and deeds of love. How easily we gossip and keep saying things we readjust when we resume our praying. The tongue is evil, set on fire of hell. It spreads distress unless we guard it well. But if we cling to Christ and to the cross and count up any worldly gain but loss, we learn the value of complete control and use the tongue to help, not hurt the soul. Now, if you don't have your words dedicated to the Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, after going through the scripture, we saw the scriptures. We saw what the Bible says. We're not just taking a verse and uh, picking a verse and pitching a fit and all that stuff like that. We're going through verse by verse, comparing scripture with scripture. But if you don't have your words dedicated to the Lord, you will slip into the other two categories. You're going to have a bunch of, if they're not dedicated, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to start becoming empty. They're empty words because those dedicated words, those things that are sweet, the pleasant words and those fitly spoken words, they're just, they're all emptied out. They're gone. Those aren't there anymore, just empty words. And then the damning words start coming out. We're talking, the words just saying things that are just cutting. We're saying things that are just lying. We're saying things that are just hurting. How are your words? How are your words tonight? How are your words? Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I ask you just uh, be with, uh, be with our church, Father, and just I, I pray that this was just a help, Father, as it was a help for my soul. Just looking at this stuff and and having to take an examination of myself, Father, and looking and seeing where I fall, which I do, Father. I ask you just uh, please just work through the words of your book, and I thank you again for your goodness and your mercy, and I pray, Father, you would come soon in Jesus' name, Amen. Brother Andrew.